0: listening to the Thoughts from a Page podcast. My name is Cindy Burnett, and I love to talk about books. This week, I am asking for help from you, my loyal listeners. To continue to grow this podcast, I need to have a larger presence on Apple Podcasts. So I'm requesting that anyone who listens on that platform, or even has access to it, kindly leave me a review or even just a rating to boost the podcast on the Apple platform. I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. As with many things these days, ratings seem to help more than anything else. Today, I am interviewing Emily Liebert. Emily is the USA Today bestselling author of seven books. Her latest novel is Perfectly Famous, which published in June. She's been featured often in the press by outlets such as The Today Show, The Wall Street Journal, The New York Times, Good Housekeeping, and The Washington Post. Emily lives with her husband, Louis, and their two sons, Jax and Hugo, in Westport, Connecticut. Now, I hope you'll enjoy the interview. Today, Emily Liebert is joining me to talk about her latest thriller, Perfectly Famous. Welcome, Emily. How are you today?
1: Hi, I'm good. Thanks for having me, Cindy.
0: I'm so glad you're here. Why don't we start out by talking a little bit about Perfectly Famous? Will you tell me about it?
1: Sure. So Perfectly Famous is about two women. One's name is Ward DeFleur, and she is a very famous larger-than-life crime novelist. And at the very beginning of the novel, you find out that her teenage daughter, Stevie, has been abducted and killed. And Ward then decides that she's going to flee uh, her little town in Connecticut where she lives and renege on all of her book deals and nobody can find her. And she goes into a sort of depressive hiding. There is a second woman named Bree Bennett, who is a former journalist and a big ward de fan. And she is looking to fill the void in her life of her recent divorce and her teenage daughter no longer needing her. So she decides to find Ward so that she can tell her story. And in doing so, she gets entangled with Stevie, Ward's daughter's killer.
0: So how did you come up with the subject matter <laughs> for this book? And did you have to do any research?
1: I didn't do a ton of research. There were a couple of scenes with the police or the investigation that I did a little bit of minor research on, but I I really wanted to write a book about two strong women who both had different but major to them obstacles to overcome. And I wanted them to not only find their own happiness, or their own contentment on their own,
0: but with a little help from each other. What do you hope that readers will take away from your book?
1: I hope that readers will relate to these women. There are a lot of 40-something, 30-something, 40-something, 50-something, any age women who go through divorces. There are a lot of women who go through feeling that their children are growing up and they aren't needed as much as they used to be, There are a lot of women who have given up careers and are looking to get back into something once their time frees up because any of these various things. And I hope that people will also take away a nice sneak peek into the world of journalism and book writing.
0: Well, I definitely think that will resonate with a lot of women. I have a a daughter who's a freshman in college and two teenagers, and already I think about the time when no one's at home and they're in college or out of college, and also the idea that I stopped working when they were little and have just begun in the last few years to get more involved in different things and find things to occupy my time unrelated to them. So I definitely think that's a very relevant topic for today's woman in any of those age ranges.
1: Thank you. Thank you.
0: What was the highlight of writing perfectly famous
1: the highlight of writing it was that i had written a very very thorough outline for this book a 30 plus page outline with the intent of really planning out all of the twists and turns because there are some big ones in the book and as i was writing the last line of the book i changed the ending which if you have read it, you know, is a surprising ending and has turned out to be an extremely polarizing ending. Some people absolutely love it. Other people are like, is there a sequel? You can't leave me hanging. But so that was not only surprising, I hope will not only be surprising to readers, but it was surprising to me because I hadn't planned on it, which is always fun.
0: Definitely. I saw that it was causing consternation for some people and other people were like, wow. But you know, I think sometimes that's the mark of a great thriller because you are surprising people at the end. And if it was just an easy ending and everybody was like, wahoo, then maybe you haven't accomplished exactly what you wanted to. Well, I agree. (laughs) Do you normally outline? I mean, is that the way you handle your books? You're a pantser or a plotter? I definitely am a plotter with my
1: first five books. I wrote outlines, but they were more, I don't want to say skeletal outlines, but they weren't as thorough as the one that I wrote for Perfectly Famous. But I would stick to them mostly. And then here and there, I would change things. For some reason, when I went to write my sixth book, Pretty Revenge, which came out last summer, I thought I would just do it pantser style. And literally fly by the seat of my pants, and just whatever came out. And it did not go well for me. And what it (laughs) meant was that I had a very heavy overhaul slash editing process on the back end, which I'm not used to. I'm used to turning in... There's always editing, but I'm used to turning in a pretty tight first manuscript and draft. And so after that, I think that was what caused me to go so... Drastically in the opposite direction and write really this extremely thorough outline for perfectly famous. I think it's harder to write thriller, suspense esque type books without an outline than at least it was for me when I was writing more solidly women's fiction novels.
0: You know, that's true. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective, but I think you're right because a thriller does require some forethought, you know, where where it's going to go. Mm -hmm, Absolutely. And you want to
1: surprise people and you want to make sure that the surprises come at the right moments and that the arcs in the story are at the right moments and it, there's not that much of a demand for the fast-paced intricate plot as there is in thrillers as there isn't you know in women's fiction as there is in as there is in thrillers is what i'm trying to say
0: no i and i agree with that completely i'm I haven't written any fiction and I'm not sure I'm really suited for that. But if I were ever going to do that, I think I would have to be a plotter because that's just my personality. It would stress me out to just sit down and try to think, okay, I'm going to write and where is it going? So I'm always tending to be like, I can understand the plotter side of it and the pants are sort of a mystery. Same. So you have a partnership with Wacol for this book. Will you tell me about that?
1: Yeah. So with each of my novels, I've partnered with a major brand. In the past, I've done nail polish, sets, I've done lip glosses, I've worked with Canyon Ranch, Cosmetics, Zoya Cosmetics, Gerard Cosmetics, and I always do a fun partnership. So this time, actually, after Pretty Revenge came out, the Walkhole Intimates brand approached me and they said, we think you're an influencer. And I said, are you sure you're talking about me? And they said, (laughs) yes, we are. And I was like, okay, great. I don't know who I'm influencing other than my kids, but excellent, if you think I'm an influencer, I'll take it. And they said, we'd love to partner with you on your next book. So we came up with a really fun campaign called The Perfect Fit, which is your perfect fit book and your perfect fit undergarments. And we worked together, they support strong women um, that's really an initiative I get behind in real life and with my characters. So we decided to partner together and do a bunch of vignettes for the brand uh, about the book and about getting my first bra. Well, not my first bra fitting, but my first one in many, many years, which is <laughs> completely eye-opening, by the way. Everyone should go get a fitting. And Waffle Bras, and I'm not just saying this because we're partnered, are the single most comfortable bras I've ever Worn, I actually get excited now to pick which one I'm going to wear every day. And um, <laughs> this also landed me somehow taking photos of myself in my Waco bra and underwear on my front porch at sunrise with no makeup and no hair. <laughs> okay, that's Done.
0: hilarious. So, it how did that play, play out?
1: Media for the world to see. So, <laughs> there you go 43 years old and in my bra and underwear for the internet.
0: Were your neighbors surprised?
1: (laughs) We have a long enough driveway that I don't think anyone was up at 6 a.m. And um, one of my very close friends, Jen Goldberg, who has a boudoir arm of her photography business called Private Portraits, was the one that took the photos. So I think I was at much more ease with her than I would have been with someone I did not know.
0: Well, that's interesting. And I think that's a clever concept to pair for each book with a different entity or corporation and and then work together. That that's clever. Have you found that it's worked well?
1: It's worked extremely well to achieve what I was trying to achieve, which is to draw more publicity to the book and also of course the brand. I you know, I always tell the brands that I'm working with, yes, this is because I want more people to know about the book, but I also want more people to know about your brand because I only partner with brands that feel organic to the book or the, you know, the moment.
0: Absolutely. Because it would be very hard, I think, to be advertising or not really advertising, but partnering with somebody that you then didn't believe in. So I I agree. I would never do that. Yeah, no, I agree. What comes first for you, the plot or the characters?
1: the chicken or the egg. <laughs> yeah. What will typically come first for me is a nugget of a plot idea. So like, for example, with this book, I started thinking, what if something happened to someone's child and they disappeared and someone else was in pursuit of them? So obviously that's a very small nugget of the idea of what eventually came to be Perfectly Famous. And then I start thinking immediately of characters because my my books are historically very character-driven. That's the way women's fiction is. And I believe that while these last two books, Perfectly Famous and Pretty Revenge, have been more psychological suspense or thriller-ish, if you will, they really do also still straddle the line of women's fiction. So um, for me... Characters are so important, but now that the plot is a huge thing, that little nugget of a plot idea comes first. And then, as soon as I start thinking of the characters, they evolve together.
0: Yes, I would think with thrillers that that question, the answer to that question would be a little different because obviously, as a thriller, the plot is. Very important, but you can't do without characters. So it sounds like that's exactly what you're saying. You might start with the idea and then kind of bring in the characters, and they sort of almost just go hand in hand together versus one first, the other second. Exactly. So I'm all about titles and covers because I think that is so important discussing branding and getting your books out there. And um, how do you come up with the titles for your book? Do you have a say in them? Do you pick them? And sometimes they keep them, sometimes they don't. How does that work for you?
1: So I always come up with the title and with, let's see, with six out of seven of my books that has remained the title that I have originally come up with, only one that wasn't was my second novel. My third book, second novel, When We Fall, was originally called The Love That Got Away and We Thought It Was Too Many Words. So the publisher ended up throwing out a bunch of ideas. We kind of all went back and forth. And then somehow we came out with When We Fall. Perfectly Famous was picked in sort of a specific way because prior to it, had, as I've said, it was Pretty Revenge. And we wanted another title that was two words and two words that even though they went together sort of belied each other. So for example, there's no revenge that's usually pretty and there's no fame that's usually perfect. So that was how we came um, to that one. But I too agree that titles and covers are half the battle in getting the book sold at
0: least. No, I agree completely, and you know that's funny that you say that about too many words because I will find occasionally there'll be a title that has five or six words, and a lot of them are very common words, and I can never get the title right. Or I sit there and what I'm like, what? Book you're what? reading.
1: You know, yes, like I, yes. I have that happen to me all the time. It's another one like behind the glass window, and you're and you're like, is it behind a glass window? Behind a window that's flat? Like, yeah.
0: So Perfectly Famous is one that I see it, it will stick with me, and I'm able to say, okay, I've got the title down. So I do one I agree. like
1: a one or two-word title, three at
0: most. And then your covers are always spectacular. How does that come about?
1: There is a very talented art department design team at Simon & Schuster. With Pretty Revenge, they nailed it on the first try. There was only one small change made – which my husband, who is not a graphic designer (laughs) or artist, (laughs) um, but it tends to have a very good eye for these things, um, said there should be a silhouette of a person in the eye on the cover. And so we added that, and the, the graphic department at Simon Schuster loved it. So they added that. With Perfectly Famous, they designed or four other covers for this one which were all beautiful but they didn't feel just right for me for this book and they were amazing with understanding that and wanting me to love the cover and so they with my guidance um, they kept taking passes at it and then when I saw this cover I was just like that's it that's gorgeous.
0: It is gorgeous, and it's very eye-catching. So I think you know if you're looking down a list, a thing of books at Target or an independent bookstore or wherever you are, it's going to grab you.
1: Thank you. I agree. Uh,
0: and that's so nice that they let you have a say and listen to what you're saying because I know sometimes that can be hard. And it's you not know,
1: always the way with every publishing house. I've been very lucky. I've been at Penguin Random House and I've been at Simon and Schuster, and both houses have been very generous with titles, and covers.
0: Oh, that's great. Are they now asking your husband for advice on other covers? (laughs) (laughs) They haven't tried to hire him yet. Um, Do you have a favorite of your own books? Like when you look back and, you know, look at them, do you have one that resonates the most with you or do you just pretty much like the one you're working on at the moment?
1: Like picking your favorite child. Um, So typically the one I'm working on, Typically, the one that's just come out is my favorite. So Perfectly Famous is definitely right there at the top now. But if I took Perfectly Famous out of the running, I would have to say my very first novel, You Knew Me When, just because it was the first and it was the most exciting. And also because one of the main characters, the Luella character, was based on my maternal grandmother, and um, who is still alive. Whenever I say that, I feel like people think that you know, like that's not the case. She's still alive and very healthy and well, um, but it just holds a special place in my heart because I feel like she's part of the book.
0: Well, and that very first time when you've gotten as far as you have and you're holding the book in your hand, that's got to just be the greatest feeling. I mean, I'm sure it's the greatest feeling every book, but that very first time, it just has to be amazing. Yes. What is the best thing about being a writer?
1: Gosh, um, so many things. One, I love—I—I I, I can't not write. You know, it's—it's it's what my passion is. It's a calling. I just love to do it. So to be able to make money at something that you love to do, and to be able to, for all intents and purposes, of course, I have deadlines, but pretty much work on my own schedule, and also be—I have available to my kids. I have two sons who are nine and ten years old, and to be able to work, but also still be at things for them when I can. And then of course, the excitement of people reading your books and telling you what they think and just being able to impact anyone in any way that's positive is
0: huge. Well, and I think that's got to be a little different right now where normally you would be doing events in person and seeing some of your readers, but at least the benefit of social media is you still can be interacting with people online versus in person, which is better than, I guess, not interacting at all.
1: I mean, of course, it's never fun when I can't go out and meet people and speak to people in person, but the silver lining is that now everyone can come to my events because it doesn't matter where you are geographically.
0: No, I have found that, online. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with that completely. I found that to be very nice. nice and I've joined so many events that I normally couldn't have done because of exactly. that. so have I. I so agree. So yeah, no, it's definitely a silver lining. In fact, sometimes it's almost like there are so many events now, <laughs> yeah, you know, trying completely. to fit them all in. <laughs> There's an Instagram
1: live with someone every day.
0: <laughs> Multiple. Um, are, you, are you working on
1: anything at the present? I am. I'm working on my eighth book which is tentatively titled Clout. And we'll see if that one sticks. And it is about three major, major social media influencers, one in the parenting space, one in the health and nutrition space, and one in the fashion space who are competing for a major influencer of the year award by Forbes magazine and will do anything it takes to win.
0: Okay, I cannot wait to read that. That just <laughs> sounds like it will be fabulous. Do you have a date yet? I know, it, you know, it's far out, but do you have a date yet as I to when it comes out?
1: I I expect within a year.
0: It's usually like a year from
1: when, you know, you're
0: Well, right. I'm going to keep my eye out for it and then see if the title stays the same. <laughs> um, share something your readers wouldn't know about you. Yeah, I can do a cartwheel <laughs>
1: and I can do a splits on both sides. No way. Yep. Oh my gosh. I also teach pure bar classes, which is why I can do those things.
0: <laughs> and my daughter and I actually were in the process of thinking about trying pure bar when everything went into shutdown mode. So I'm hoping when all of this passes that we will actually get to try it. It looked like it would be a lot of fun.
1: Yeah, I w- I've been a teacher at the pure bar in Westport, Connecticut for about four years. Something fun I do on the side. It's clearly not my full-time job.
0: Oh, that's awesome. I lived in Westport when I was little. Oh, no way. (laughs) I went to Greens Farms Elementary for second and Uh, third grade. (laughs) That's great. Uh, Well, I am so glad you joined me today. I've loved hearing about everything. And before we wrap up, I want to hear about your recommended reads, like what you've read lately that you really like that you'd like to recommend to others.
1: Sure. I just read Jennifer Weiner's Big Summer, which I thought was fantastic. And I am currently almost done with Kimberly Bell's Stranger in the Lake, which is wonderful. I'm a huge Kimberly Bell fan, and
0: she is not disappointing. She never does. I've seen both of those books a lot of places. (laughs) Well, thank you again for joining me. And everyone needs to go out and grab a copy of Perfectly Famous and get it read.
1: Thanks, Cindy.
0: Thank you so much for listening to my podcast. If you liked this episode, and I hope you did, please follow me on Instagram at Thoughts from a Page, and tell all of your friends about the podcast. I would really appreciate it. Emily's book can be purchased at Murder by the Book, where I work part-time, and the link is in the show notes. Thanks to KP Regan for the sound editing, and hope to see you next time. I'm Alison Holland, host of the Kennedy Dynasty Podcast.